The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. This could be the trade deadline that wasn't. It could be the trade deadline that I slept That wasn't. Yeah, Yeah. that wasn't. Yeah. There's been, in the last, like, week, there's been, what, five trades? There's been there's been little movement. Um, inter- right. Some of it interesting though. I mean, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say all of it is meh, but most no, of it is pretty meh. much all of it is meh. Uh, I mean, Devin Dubnik is the biggest name that has been moved, arguably, uh, or maybe was, Brandon Mantor. To be expected, um, Mantor going to the Panthers is probably the uh, most useful. Um, I still think that the Islanders picking up Palmieri and Zajac is more nostalgic than effective. But say, that's, wasn't that just bringing Palmieri home or something? Uh, I I just don't know. Like, people kept talking about Palmieri to Boston, and I'm like, we've got a bunch of old guys who can't score. We I can bring up. Palmieri could score. That was the whole point of. Healing. He's well, scoring better than the devil, the rest of the devils. Well, that's something to be said right there, huh? <laughs> yes. I can score better than Jack Hughes. Who has done not much yet in the NHL. I, but, and of course, the, the person who they will dedicate an entire wing to uh, in the Hall of Fame, uh, was also traded. Oh, yes. I mean, I I, I don't know who... I, I, I mean, I... They might have to actually build a separate hockey uh, nostalgia institution for Brett Connolly. I mean, when you deal a player with the superstar talent of Brett Connolly to Chicago... Who has never known a superstar like him? I know. I mean, I I realize they've had guys like that. You know that Taze character and, and who? Yeah, he. You know, he he used to be a center for them. Um, uh, I don't know that I've ever heard of him. Um, but irrelevant. Uh, he wasn't as good. Wasn't as famous. Uh, wasn't as important oh, to the hockey landscape. Clearly, yes, not not somebody that's going to move the needle the way Brett Connolly does. Absolutely not. Uh, but let's that, dive. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that was a deal that that seriously moved some needles. I, I mean, uh, Richter scale type needles and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There have only been eight trades since the start of the month. I just, yeah, it, it, it hasn't been, and we, it, we I talked mean, about why. I'm gonna say, part, yeah, part. Of, I mean, obviously, it's the way everything's set up and flat caps and this and that and everything else. So it's all. Uh, we've got lots on the board, though. Lots on the board. Where do we start? Um. Why don't we start with what happened? Uh, the historic thing that happened yesterday that's likely really going to affect uh, the college hockey landscape for a while. 
Oh, you mean a team that has never won a national championship, winning a national championship? And Defeating a team that had also never won a national championship and putting all of the major hockey schools on notice. I was saying this – I was actually saying this to my to my brother yesterday. I mean the team that went – the team that won the national championship, UMass, and they don't say UMass Amherst. It's just UMass. Um, That's a local thing that only people who went to UMass Amherst say. But okay, keep going. But University of Massachusetts, the Minutemen, end up winning the national championship over St. Cloud State. And they did it in – there's no other way to say it. Brutal. They did it in dominating fashion. I mean, 5 nothing shutout after having played an overtime game against Minnesota State where – Watching that game was like watching the two teams literally switch sides, switch uniforms, because Minnesota State was out shooting and and out skating uh, UMass. UMass down two to ones, tie it up in the third, and then when they got to overtime, suddenly UMass is all over Minnesota State, scoring the game-winning goal after out shooting them twelve to two in the overtime period. <sighs> It was eye-opening. And then they come out yesterday, and they just dominate St. Cloud from beginning to end. 5 nothing. This is a team that does not play in the, the, the heralded Beanpot Tournament. Beanpot Tournament is strictly BU, BC, Harvard, Northeastern. It's – they're not – and they're not – They're, they're like not the flashy. Little, no, they're like the little brother. And, yes, did – did uh, Kel McCarr come out of there? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. They have some very talented kids. They have Matt Castle, no relation as far as I know. Yep. Uh, they've got decent defense. Lindbergh, the kid, the starting goaltender. And I'm not going to hold this against the backup who ended up winning the the semifinal game. His name is Matt Murray. But oh, this him, Matt Murray, yes. But this Matt Murray played better than the NHL Matt Murray. Well, it's possibly uh, possibly that he's probably healthier. So <laughs> that is another consideration. It was just it was it was fun to watch. It was nice to see a local team. I was excited. It was nice to see a local team win the national championship that wasn't BU or BC. Yeah. It, you know, it was. It was another feather in the cap for hockey East, for Northeast, for hockey here in the Northeast region. It was enjoyable and wow. And as far as changing the landscape, I mean, it's going to open some eyes and, and they're going to, scouts are going to need to start. I mean, yes, they found the Kale McCarr. They're going to need to start watching the teams that don't necessarily get all the flashy young kids, don't get all the, the, the highly touted uh, high school prospects or the kids that are coming out of one year of USHL hockey. Yeah. It's going it, to, it's going to force the scouts to redirect their attention. Well, it's not just about the scouts. It's about the young players, the guys uh, and girls who don't get into the top, the power schools, but, but clearly you can still go to a school like UMass and, and win a championship. Yes. So even if you don't 
even if they don't have a great program for whatever you want to major in, even if they don't have, even if they don't have the, the, the cachet of BC or BU or, um, Duluth, um, you're, you're still talking about the ability to be noticed. Um, and because let's face it, this UMass roster, the St. Cloud State roster, everyone who was not drafted, who might be worth talking to, has already gotten calls from agents and NHL teams. They have. Yes. Um, let's take... Uh, I mean, looking at their roster, there's a lot of guys I've never heard of. Um, one of these guys might actually get drafted this this summer. Uh, Zach Jones, defenseman. Oh, uh, he sorry, looks already so... drafted. Rangers. I was going to say he's who? Rangers. Yeah. Oh, figures. No, it, he he looks phenomenal in the semifinal game. It, his ability, his his puck handling ability, his hands. Wow. Yeah. Oliver Chow, twenty three year old, just finished uh, four years at UMass Amherst. Um, forward, one of their leading scorers, probably not going to play in a top six role in the NHL, but the fact that he played and won a national championship, yeah, he, he's going to get calls. Um, he's, you know, listed at five, nine, one seventy, So not the smallest guy in the NHL. Uh, I mean, he, these guys are going to get calls both from, uh, from both both schools, uh, we already talked about. Uh, let's see, there's a Jake Godet on this team who may or may not be related to other Godets we could name. No, he's not. It's spelled differently. Um, and both Matt Murray and Philip Lindbergh, uh, I believe they're actually both uh, already drafted. I want to say I remember Matt Murray being called last year or the year before. I yeah, Philip Lindbergh is a Minnesota prospect. He was taken 197th in the 2-1-D-19 draft. Uh, do you think his stock uh, has gone up just a teeny tiny bit? Mm. 949 save percentage? Yeah. This I year, would. 927 save percentage last year? I mean, the only thing you can hold against either of these two goaltenders is that neither one of them played a huge number of games. Uh, it was just about an even split this year, just about an even split that year. And no, Matt Murray is not drafted. He's 23 years old, just finished uh, up at Amherst. 917, 919, 919, 911. Those are from this year going back to his freshman year, his four years, uh, his four years out in uh, Amherst. Do you think he gets an invite to a development camp or? Oh, no, he if he's not signed, (laughs) if he's not signed to an NHL team or an AHL team Mm -hmm. by like Wednesday, it's because he threw his phone away and is concentrating on finals. Like there's legitimately no excuse for him not to be signed. That level of consistency 
I don't I don't care what the excuse is. There are guys who played, you know, major junior, whether it's in Canada or uh, here in the U.S., who just weren't as consistent. And this is a, this is a guy you're seeing at 23 years old, 6'1", 195 pounds. So you know what he's going to look like when he actually hits the pros. Um, he's not going to have a sudden he's unlikely to have a sudden growth spurt that leaves him spending three years trying to readjust to being five inches taller and, you know, four inches wider across the hips and shoulders. Um, How many teams in the league are struggling for goaltending? How many teams have used three, five goaltenders this year? A lot. A lot. As much as I agree that that one's a little bit difficult because a lot of teams have been have been going back and forth between the one and the two, and when one gets hurt, clearly you got to call up that third guy who's sitting on the taxi squad. It's been that kind of year where we expected that there were going to be a lot of goaltenders used. Have there been more than we expected? I think so. But that is kind of something you can't really hold. But, I mean, you see guys like Dubnik getting dealt, and there's rumors of Reimer getting dealt, and Bernier getting dealt. And and there's <clears throat> there's a lot of older goaltenders who are going to be retiring in the next year or two. <clears throat> Before the show, we started talking <clears throat> locally about Rask. Yeah. That Henrik Lundqvist, who's probably going to retire uh, after actually, one more season. They're actually saying he might return this season. Even still, he's like 37 years old. Yeah, I get He's it. not playing forever. No. You've got Ryan Miller out in California. You've got 40, yeah. Yep. Uh, you've got Quick out in L.A. Um, you've got Pecorine in Nashville. 37. Um, he's 37. Yeah, he's 37, 38. <clears throat> yeah, there's going to be a lot of goaltenders, and a lot of these teams have. Mike Smith. Mike Smith isn't young anymore. He's pushing 40 as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there's, as I said, there's a lot of older goaltenders. Yeah. People need to show up the supply. And right here, right here. Like, I'm sorry. I know that we have, I know that the Bruins have two really good young players in net right now. What was it, two years ago or two or three years ago, we saw all four Beanpot teams have their goaltenders drafted? Yes. I mean, they were all they were all NHL prospects. You had Caden Primo, you had Thatcher Spencer Demko, Knight. you had Spencer Knight, you had no, not at the time. Yeah, no, it would have been Spence. Would have been Thatcher Demko. I I don't remember now. But but if Ottinger, there weren't, it'd be you. It's if it, there weren't NHL general managers or their ad or their designees at the game last night with a briefcase full of contracts where all they needed to do (laughs) was fill in player names. There is a major failure. Boilerplate standard deals, 750,000 entry level. (laughs) I I mean, it, it was it was fun to watch, and yeah, there's a lot of hid, there's a lot of hidden talent on the team. The Del the Delgaizo brothers, Mark and Anthony. Yep, go. No, both of them just looked really. Both of them looked really strong, and neither one of them is drafted. They're both juniors, I believe. Uh, 
Anthony Delgado is a junior, yeah. Um, and despite his uh, unfortunate game last night, David Hernak, the or or is it Hernak, uh, is a the St. Cloud State goalie is a Los Angeles Kings draft pick, 2018. Um, VD Mittenen uh, was their number one scorer for the season. He's only 18. Mm-hmm. Nolan Walker. Uh, tied for number one, Anchorage, Alaska, 5'10", 165. Uh, both of these guys, uh, let's see, VD uh, Mittenen, <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs draft picked, uh, number six, uh, sixth round in 2020. I knew I'd seen the name. And then Nolan Walker, <clears throat> 22 years old, 5'10", 165. From the hometown of uh, Scott Gomez, uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, 24 points in 31 games this season. Um, might might find his way onto an NHL roster, AHL roster. Uh, right shot uh, center. Uh, even watching guys like like Brodzinski uh, on St. Mm-hmm. Cloud State, Easton Brodzinski. His brother is uh, his brother is Johnny Brodzinski. Played plays for the San Jose Sharks right now. Um, his older brother also played at Minnesota. I mean, it, yeah, there's there's a lot of hidden talent in that game last night, and it was just enjoyable. It was congratulations to UMass. And the the entire roster there. Another guy who but success in the future. Another guy who probably needs <clears throat> to be talked to at minimum is Spencer Meyer, uh twenty one year old, uh right shot defenseman for Saint Cloud State. Ooh. Looks like he's a junior. Um Sartell, Minnesota. Fifteen points in thirty one games, four of them goals uh this year. Undrafted. Okay, somebody needs to be looking at him. The size alone, you can't you can't teach size. So can't teach size, can't teach reach, and you can't teach you really can't teach consistency. Uh, it's just one of those things that doesn't you either have it or you don't. Agreed. So from UMass, where do we move on to here? Uh uh, I think we should probably jump up to UMaine real quick. Yeah, uh, that was a tough story and, and a surprising one. Um, news came out uh, this morning of the unexpected unexpected passing of uh, UMaine head coach Red Gedron, um, 63 years old and gone just on, as of the last uh, update that I saw. Uh, they weren't really sure why. And yeah, there's that's, been there's been no information as far as cause of uh, cause of his passing. Uh, this is a guy who's been around not only college hockey but also professional, but also the NHL. He was with the Devils back in '94-'95 and as an assistant when they won the cup. He served uh, as an assistant coach at both UMass and an associate coach at Harvard. Uh, 
He served as coach of the Indiana Ice and the Albany River Rats. So he's been around, uh, but just really, really sad. Um, because, you know, it's a, it's another disruption. I mean, leaving his family is going to be impacted. His friends are going to be impacted. And beyond them, even just allowing for the end of the relationship for all of the players he helped recruit to the team. This is just another lack absence of normality for the ones who are going to be going forward next year. Little known prospect by the name of Jeremy Swayman for the Bruins went to university of Maine. Yeah. And Cassidy Cassidy gave him the option of taking the day off. I have no idea what the response was. I'm sure that he, it it would make sense if he accepted it and I would hope he did. Uh, But there was no information as to whether he said yes or no, but, it, I mean, this is a guy that Swayman has spoken about, as well as the assistant coaches and the goalie coach that he worked with up there. I mean, mm-hmm. and the wealth of hockey knowledge that this man contained with all of his different spots in the NHL, in the AHL, working with the college kids. I mean, talk about a well-rounded guy, and, and from what I've read, a well-liked, uh, well-liked individual not by just the hockey team, but by everybody that he's bumped into. And I mean, the list of places where he's worked tells you that he's there about the hockey, not about the name. I mean, Harvard is not a hockey school. They're a school with a pretty solid hockey team. I was going to say Harvard might argue it a little bit, but I don't know how hard they would. But (laughs) if you're naming, if, if you're just going to sit still and name 10 schools uh, anywhere in the U.S. or even east of the Mississippi, known for their hockey, Harvard is going to be outside the top ten in well, nineteen out of twenty lists. I think even Northeastern is going to beat them uh, in most of those lists. I agree. I think if Harvard's going to squeak onto any of those lists, it's going to be right at that number ten spot. But yeah, there's just I mean, if you're talking about counting the Minnesota area, I mean if you You've got, but here in New England, you've got, obviously, we've talked about the BUs, the BCs, Northeastern, UNH, UMaine, uh, yep. <laughs> Providence. Uh, you've even got Merrimack. Uh, yeah, uh, Providence. Uh, yeah, Harvard and then probably. When you get, then you get to out a little bit further west, you've got, you've got St. Cloud State that has to be named. Yeah, actually, you have American International that has to be named now. Um, Quinnipiac, Yale, Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can stop now. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, even Colgate was in the uh, was in the, the regional tournament that we went to. Oh, yes, no, I believe it was, it, was, it was Clarkson, and there was another upstateish New York team. Although I think Colgate might fall into the same. Uh, Colgate probably falls into the same category as Harvard. Yeah, not that they're Ivy League, but just in terms of mentioning them for hockey reasons. Uh, it was Notre Dame who was there. That's a, a, that's another school. I mean, and Notre recently, Dame is a sports school. I don't know one. anyone. 
like literally I don't know anyone who talks about it academically. Sorry. <laughs> Not sorry. Um, they're more known for football, though. <laughs> they're known for football. I mean, if you're talking about they a northern a school known for football, it's North, it's Notre Dame. Yes. They're more known. I mean, they've had a couple of decent players. Obviously, some kid named Anders Bjork. Um, kid that plays from Montreal now as a rookie, Jake Evans. Uh, they've had a couple of decent players. But, yeah, they're not cranking out top 10 NHL all-stars left no. and right. No, not yet. Or probably not ever. Certainly not Hall of Famers like Charlie McAvoy. No way. <laughs> There's only one of him, and it's unfair to compare anyone to Charlie McAvoy except Charlie McAvoy. Our thoughts, prayers, condolences go out to Red Gendron's family, friends, the University of Maine, and all the students that he all the players lives that he's touched uh present and past uh um i am kind of at a loss on this one because i just it is surprising it, it is surprising i mean 63 for someone who's active and healthy is shockingly young these days yes um let's talk about nikita gusev now I know you don't like the article. Uh, you were, I just no no no. You were extremely vocal about it in the pre-show. But okay, I was. The uh, how well the article is written is less important than the surrounding facts. Fair enough. The Florida Panthers mm-hmm. are perceived to be the front runners, uh, and this is a this is a story off of ProHockey.com about the contract termination of uh, Nikita Gusev. Uh, they're they're the presumed front runners for Nikita Gusev's services. Now, Gusev was originally drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning. But when was the last time, any time in the last decade, that the Florida... Panthers were considered the leaders in the clubhouse for any UFA's services. Any. Um, Nolachari? Okay. I, 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 no, I completely agree. They're not usually the team that comes to mind when a player comes available, you don't sit there going, you know, Florida's going to be the team that's going to get this guy, or Florida's the expected team to get this guy. It, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's, I mean, it's, they're right up there with Minnesota for the most part in terms of actually below Minnesota. Why? <laughs> because Minnesota, the last time there were two big free agent signings that were signed to forever contracts that changed the way contracts were signed at the next negotiations. Suter and, uh, yes, yeah, Suter and, per- and Parise. Yes. Suter and Parise signed there. And nobody really ever talks about going to Florida, but guess what? 
Florida has Holy. been terrible for years. Yes. Years. Now they, ha- now they have Joel Quenville and a legit coach. He's got the cachet to not only bring players in, but keep them in line for the most part while they're there. And Bill Zito, the GM now, uh, taking over for Dale Talon, has done a pretty decent job keeping that squad together. Um, hasn't really, I mean, hasn't had to make any huge moves. He's got considerations to make now because of what happened with Aaron Eckblad, obviously. But if he's if he suddenly has turned this team into a contender, a, a contender, and and he's got the coach with the pedigree. I mean, three Stanley Cups. Even if you have a talented roster like Quenville had in Chicago, you still have to win it. It's not like it's gifted to you. You still have to win it. So let's use your fa- your favorite phrase. Oh, goodness. And this is something that is going to be absolutely awesome for the NHL going forward. Because I believe it's going to be the first time it happens if if things shake out about the way they are today. If the playoffs started today, mm-hmm. it would be Florida-Tampa in the first round. Because Carolina is currently sitting number one in the Discover Central. And Nashville is amazingly sitting number four. Um, because I believe both Dallas and Columbus have run up the white flag at this point. Well, they've won. Nashville's won nine of their last 11. So they've, they've suddenly without Ryan Ellis, which is gone on bizarre. a tear. You say Saros came back from injury and looked like you say Saros again. I mean, he's been lights out with the exception of, I think, I don't even know if he started last night. If he did, that was probably one of the worst starts he's had since coming back from injury. Um, but yeah, Tampa, Florida, I mean, how those two teams have been in the league 20 plus years each. I don't, I don't recall them ever having met in the playoffs. I'm not even sure there's ever been three occasions where both teams have been in the playoffs. And they're doing it in different. I mean, they're doing it with two totally different styles. Tampa Bay is obviously, I mean, yes, Vasilevsky's in net, but Tampa Bay's doing it with a more offensive approach, uh, being a plus 40 in goal differential. And Florida is doing it with a stouter defense. Yes, Ekblad is down now, and they, but they've acquired Brendan Montour, and we're going to talk about trades here at some point. But they've acquired Montour from the Sabres. Uh, they've been a little bit more stout. They play a little bit more physical game. I've read that Florida is one of the faster teams in the NHL, but... Uh, I don't think Nolachari is one of the fastest players in the NHL, but he's physical. He's a 200-foot guy. We know him well in Boston. Yep. And we were sorry to see him go, but he's turned into kind of an offensive guy down there a little bit. Uh, he's had three hat tricks in his career, and they've all come in Florida. <laughs> I mean, it's, since but yeah, since Frank, the year 2000-2001, yeah. The Florida Panthers have been in the playoffs three times. That's it. Now, the Panthers have won a Stanley Cup. The Panthers did win a Stanley Cup right after 
Uh, no, right before. Because no, no, they won earlier than that. They won in the nineties. Um, I was going to say it was it, it it wasn't long after they had come into the league. They had John Van Beesbrook in net. They had. They were they were a much more physical team back then. I mean, the NHL was. No, wait. Uh, why do I not see their winning a Stanley Cup on the list? Um, I thought they did. I thought they had two, but apparently they lost in the Cup Finals to the Avalanche that year in 95-96, uh, their third year. Really? Okay, so in the in the Stanley no, Cup playoffs, you're correct. I could have swore they won one. They came into the league in ninety three, ninety four. They've had six total playoff appearances since then, losing to the Islanders twice. That's that being in nineteen twenty and fifteen sixteen. The Devils in eleven twelve. Uh, the Devils in nineteen in ninety nine two thousand. The Rangers in uh, the 96-97 season, they lost to the Abs in the finals uh, in the 95-96 season. Uh, so they've had really bad luck against New York area teams. Yeah. So is this um, like the 25th anniversary of their last Stanley Cup appearance? And this year they... <laughs> it's all part of the plan. Oh, okay. There we go. Yes. I, yeah. I, I wasn't aware there was a plan. I, Again, I also thought that they had won one, so clearly I'm not in the loop. <laughs> hey, you know, Vince McMahon is the secret owner of the NHL. Really? Yes. I have n- I've actually never heard that. Wow. Hey, I, I heard it on a hockey rumor site, so it's got to be true. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But so 25 years of two Florida's franchises and guess what? Zero playoff meetings. Yeah, this I is expe- I expect this that. is literally a lifetime in the making when this happens. Now, there's something that Vince McMahon can sell. No offense, but I, I think that uh, Ronald Reagan could sell it right now, and he's been in the ground for a couple of decades. <laughs> and and who – I mean, not that I want to think that far ahead, but who would win that? Because does goaltending win the day? We all know that a hot goaltender in the playoffs is, is, is tough to beat. Yeah, I – Well, I mean, there's so many factors to consider because, yes, I think we can all safely agree that Tampa has the best forwards. We can all we can almost certainly all agree that they have the best defenseman in Victor Hedman. Uh, Yeah. Hello. (laughs) But when you come down to questions of which team is hungrier and has more to prove, I think that's the Florida Panthers. Mm -hmm. When you ask the question, which coach do you trust more? In the playoffs, I think that's the Florida Panthers. Um, which team has the most to lose and the most pressure? That's that's Tampa. Yeah, they're 
they would be expected to win this matchup. Um, I, I don't know. I think that could be one of the most fascinating first rounds, uh, or, or that could be one of the most fascinating series in a very long time because there's literally no playoff history to go off of. And you have a recent cup winning goal, uh, coach and a three time cup winning coach, uh, with a, with a different team going head to head. Am I going to call it the hockey match, uh, the matchup of the century? Probably not, but I probably wouldn't complain if anyone else did. I just, I just like to know why these players that, okay. Frank Vetrano played here in Boston. Frank gonna the start, Tank. Going to start calling the Panthers Boston South, but yes, the best season he had in Boston, mm-hmm. he played in a whopping 44 games and had 18 points. Yep. This kid goes to Florida and double-digit goals. Uh, every year that he's been there, inclu- no, except for his first year where he – because that was – he was traded from Boston to Florida in the 17-18 season. Uh and then he ended up finishing with only seven goals that entire season. But 1819, 24 goals, 39 points. 1920, 16 goals, 34 points. This year, in 42 games, he's 13 goals, 19 points. I mean, he's. Am I he's missing crawled over that He's crawled over that half point a game uh, margin that seems to be what keeps you in the top nine of of most franchises. Am I missing something? If he had played like that in Boston, he would have stayed in Boston. Well, he did also, uh, disparage the former coach, uh, once Julian was fired. Yes, that's true. Well, he and Spooner were never big fans of Julian because Julian supposedly didn't play them enough. Well, both of them cut a lot of corners while they were here, too. So, I mean, Spooner has an enormous well of skill and physical ability and agility and passing and skating and hand-eye coordination. I mean, we saw him do some of the drills at uh, the Boston Development Camp that were, quite frankly, not just impressive, but slightly staggering. And the only player who even who was even in the same league as him was uh, was Matt Grizzlick uh, on any of the skating drills. And it was it, it, like I don't even remember who would have been third. I just flat out don't remember. I mean, this is a guy who has one hundred and thirty one points in his career and only twenty seven of them have come on the power play. Yeah, he's he's a. He's a guy who plays at even strength. And he's, he's not a power English. play specialist. He's effectively. Uh, wow, he, I can't remember his name. I mean, Frankie V. We all know that there wasn't a shot Frankie V didn't like. No, <laughs> no. Frankie V. He could have been standing on the loge level and he'd still shoot the puck. 
which, is, by the way, is something the Bruins probably could use right about now because they seem to have issues with shooting the puck. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's almost the inverse of Michael Ryder in that he's physical mm-hmm. and he really doesn't produce, he doesn't play on the play on the power play. I mean, Michael Ryder played his best in his career on the power play and through what four memorable, memorable hits in his time in Boston. Maybe Wait, you can remember four of them. Uh, I remember two of them were in the cup run. Okay. Um, but beyond that, no, not really. Yeah. That's about where I am with that. Yeah. I just, I, I, but my issue is Gusev. Okay. Is it a change of scenery thing? I mean, to bring it back to the actual storyline, is Gusev like a key here? He's 28 years old. He registered five points in 20 games this season. He's I didn't think he w- he's a key depth addition, and he w- if he if they manage to sign him, he's a free key depth addition because if they sign him to a one-year contract. They pay him through the end of the season. Yeah. If he stinks on ice, they're done with him. If he's great, they have, you know, they've got him, they've got him at least through uh, whenever free agency starts. Okay. And again, they really don't have anything to lose if they think that he's compatible with the system. I mean, it is a serious drop-off last year. And I, don't want to demean this guy and I I can't call him this kid because he's 28 and he's one of those 26 year old rookies or whatever. Last year he had 44 44 points in the 66 games. Um, Last season before the pause. So it's not like now Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff. Yes. Lindy Ruff does not get the best offense out of, Anybody. Anybody. Fair enough. And while I think that Lindy Ruff is capable of putting together a team with good structure, I think he sacrifices the individual abilities of the players to achieve an aggressively mediocre mix. Do you remember the name of the head coach before Lindy Ruff? Uh, there were like 17 of them in the past five years in, in Dallas. They're as bad as Buffalo. And no, yes. I don't. No, the guy before Lindsey Ruff was a guy by the name of Elaine Nasruddin. Yeah, he was there for 10 minutes. He he was barely there for a glass of water. <laughs> didn't take time to heat the coffee water? Yeah. No. They didn't give him time to boil the water for a, for a spot tea, as they would say. You know, no, <laughs> didn't happen. I just in Florida being. I think that I think that you're right. I think the story here is actually the whole point that Florida. It says Florida Panthers front runners. I mean, that that alone says it all. Florida Panthers front runners. Wow. Who to thunk it? And. If it happens and it's successful for them, that's it. That's legitimately the big story, and there's not much else to talk about. Um, coming closer to Boston, 
Mm-hmm. One of the or coming back to Boston, one of the fascinating stories uh, that I saw on Twitter came from an unthinkable pair of sources. Like literally unthinkable that this would have been tweeted or stated two years ago, even to even a year ago. Joe Haggerty on April 8th tweets. Jeremy Swayman has won 10 of his first 11 starts as a professional and has stopped 71 of 75 shots in his first two games at the Boston Bruins. My prediction, we are, we are watching the start of something special for the Bruins. The kid is legit between the pipes. Quote retweet from, uh, Jimmy Murphy, uh, AKA Murphy's law 74. By no means is this disrespect to Tuka Rask and all he's accomplished, but the net is not Tuka's when he returns. I I have met Joe Haggerty. I have met Jimmy Murphy. I've had conversations with you one and of I these both. guys. <laughs> We've watched them on Twitter for more than a decade. You and I both have <laughs> development camps, and we met and talked to both of these guys. And Have you... At what point before this tweet would you consider either of them saying someone is capable of beating or being better in the Bruins system than Tuka Rask? Uh, the answer would be yes, correct. Never. Like, they've written polemics about this on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. When Halak outplayed Rask, it was, oh, well, there's a reason for this, and they inevitably throw some young defenseman under the bus. Um, when Hudobin outplayed him, oh, but Hudobin's never been a number one starter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when Tim Thomas was outplaying him, well, Tim Thomas's style is just, is just too uh, frenetic, and it's so much nicer to have someone calmer uh, behind, uh, uh, calmer in net. Didn't that Thomas guy win a Stanley Cup? Didn't that Thomas guy, like, set a couple of records? And won the uh, won the Consmite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just checking. Yeah, I, I think so. Okay. Um, so much for calm. <laughs> Winning hockey is whatever gets the job done. Wait, wait, Here. wait, wait! I have to ask this question. In that year that Tim Thomas won the Stanley Cup in net, won the Consmite Trophy. The starter that year was not Tim Thomas; it was Tuka Rask. Yes, for all of like three weeks. Okay, out of camp. Out of camp. Tukarask was given the net, and three weeks later, it was Tim Thomas making the bulk of the starts. So for a decade now, you and I have been um, ahead of the curve. Just a little bit, because I'm now hearing, and not only on not only here on Murphy, not only here from Jimmy Murphy, but. Uh, on Boston Sports Tonight and on other uh, news shows on various sporting channels, they're saying that Tukarask is not consistent, is not reliable. Wait, what? <laughs> Did they, In- like, archive a copy of, like, PuckSage.com before it was mysteriously deleted and just pull, like eight, ten things that I wrote, because 
hop in your Wayback Machine, set the time for like 2009, maybe 2010, or 11, or 12, or 13, or 14. And I said, way back then, the Boston Bruins will never win a Stanley Cup with Tukarask in net. Yeah. Period. And we're talking about him potentially retiring after the end of the season, something that he stated last year at the beginning of the season. Didn't I make somebody cry in a bar about trading to Garask? Oh, that was, that was what, five years ago at this point? (laughs) Yeah. I I legitimately thought the gentleman was actually going to cry. Um, And we're talking about a guy in his probably late fifties, early sixties from, from Canada. Um, Oh no, he wasn't the guy that was going to cry. He was the guy that thought I was crazy, but um, why I would want to trade him back to Toronto. Um, the guy that was sitting next to him at the bar was the guy from Massachusetts that was going to cry because I wanted to trade to Garask because I said he was inconsistent and and oh wait yeah not he's quite just the reliable not that guy. Oh wait, there was a book on him. Um, and yes, the book thing happens to all goaltenders. Yes. The players the players adjust, they find your weaknesses. It's on the goaltender to readjust and correct those weaknesses. Has Tuka Rask readjusted and corrected those weaknesses? I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, okay, here's a different one. Because um, this is something that we've also talked about since Tuka Rask's, I don't know, first 50 games. Is Tuka Rask a better skater and puck handler now than he was uh, when he came into the league? No, I kind of like the time where he tripped over his own skates. <laughs> so now isn't learning to puck handle one of those things that you could actually control if you wanted to? Yeah, you can you can work you can work those skills and get better at it. So the fact that he hasn't in well over a decade uh, of professional hockey what does that say? That he doesn't perfect his craft. Um, yeah, it says that he's either <clears throat> immune to the criticism uh, or doesn't value it. I mean, would you say that? I mean, this is a guy who plays a better puck handler. Oh, Halak is a better puck handler. I, I'm not saying I want him taking skating up ice, taking penalty shots, but he's a better puck no, handler. And I'm not saying that he's he's made his mistakes. He he made that one pass where he tried to lift it and didn't get it high enough, and guy was able to knock it back into an open net. It, I mean, it, it's happened. I've seen him do it. I'm not saying that he should be out there as a third defenseman, but. I'm not terrified when Halak handles the puck. Neither am I. <laughs> and, you know, Rask played his first uh, North American professional hockey in the 07-08 season. Mm-hmm. He has a remarkably similar uh, save percentage this year as he did uh, back in 07-08. He had a 9.05 save percentage in, for the Providence Bruins in 45 games. Wow. He's got a 907 this year in significantly less games for the Bruins, for the Boston Bruins. By the way, Dan Vladar has a 922. Jeremy Swayman has a 929. 
I'm not sure what Halak has at the moment. Uh, let's see. At the moment, at the moment, Halak has a nine ten. So even on a team with that has played four goalies this season, Tuukka Rask is number four. Okay, fair enough. So and yes, Vladar and Vladar and Swayman have played a much smaller number of games. They have. But Halak has played more games, and Halak still has a better save percentage, and has faced a lot more shots. 415 shots in 17 games versus 342 in 15. None of us needs to sit here and do the math. I'm trying to figure out. It's when I when I watch, and we've talked about this, and it, it, so it's, uh, I know that we're rehashing a little bit. But when I watch the Bruins in front of Halak, there seems to be better communication. Have they had games in front of Halak where they've played like absolute rubbish? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And they've hung him out to dry, and. It's happened. They've hung. They've hung Rask out to dry. It's not like they suddenly become stellar in front of him, but there seems to be better communication between Halak and the defenseman than there does with Rask. I don't know why, but they seem to clear out in front of Halak better. He gets. He's been screened. It, it happens to every goalie, but he seems to see more pucks clearly. He gets he deflects them better into corners. He directs players where he's going to be de- deflecting. Them. I mean, it, the the overall jibe, the the, the overall vibe, players and yeah. and symmetry is just better with Halak in net, which leads to him having better save percentage, stopping more shots. Obviously, I. It, I don't know if it's a if it's a Rask thing where he doesn't. Oh, it's definitely a Rask thing because this also happened with Tim Thomas. You didn't see, you didn't see the, you saw the bad luck screenings that happened and odd bounces off of a defenseman's elbow or wrist or whatever mm-hmm. in front of Thomas, but you didn't see him getting. You didn't see him getting blindsided by pucks because he wasn't looking. He wasn't making an effort to look for them. Like if you watch Swayman, if you watch Vladar, if you watch Halak, when you watched him, Thomas, if they couldn't, if they didn't have direct line of sight on the puck, their body went up, down, right, left, center, up, down, right, left, center, uh, you know, whichever direction they thought they were going to get a better view of the puck. Mm-hmm. In the last two seasons, I haven't seen that target acquisition uh, behavior from Tuukka Rask. I thought it was funny last night they showed a a highlight or a clip from behind the Bruins net. And you see Swayman and he's looking up and down and looking around and he's being screened by Backstrom and he's looking all around him. And suddenly he just reaches out with the glove and whacks Backstrom in the back of the head. (laughs) I'm like, okay, here's a 20, 20, what, two year old. And he's whacking a 15 year vet. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, Backstrom turned around and looked at him and it was like, okay, (laughs) 
Um, so the battle for the net, the battle for the net is going to be interesting. We've heard Rask say that we heard Rask say at the beginning of last season, "Oh, uh, this could be my last contract. That could be my last year." Okay. So we've also heard him say he doesn't want to play anywhere else. Yeah. Which means we're probably Boston should probably let him walk at the end of the year. But I've also read that he's open to signing another deal. And at this point, my perfect plan for, and I use that word advisedly, perfect uh, is impossible to achieve. But my plan for the Bruins net going forward, sign Halak to a two-year deal at approximately what he's making. They're probably only going to get him for one due to his age, because if you sign an overager... Don't care. There's no one else deal. of age in the system, and there's a lot of dudes that are going to be retiring. Okay. Um, but two-year contract for Halak, with the understanding, no games are promised. He could be. He could win. He could end up playing 55 games. He could end up playing 25 games. Okay. But and then you in camp next fall, you put Swayman and uh, and Vladar. Uh, in the locker room with the coach one-on-one or two, uh, the two of them together and say, one of you two is going to be competing for starts here in Boston this year. Don't you just call up the coach. Don't you just call up the boss Vince McMahon and say, Hey, we need to borrow a ring and set it up in the middle of center ice. Or, set uh, up on center ice. or maybe a ladder, a couple of ladders. And uh, I don't know how fair it would be to Swayman though, because Vladar is a little bit bigger than him. Um, <laughs> tell that to Seth Rollins versus uh, Let Brock Lesnar. Excuse me. But good um, point. Good point. And the other one is going to go to Providence and play more games than they've ever thought about playing in a single season uh, until we need you. I mean, both both young guys look good, and one of the things that bothered me about this recent stretch with Vladar and then Swayman was how quickly the Boston media completely dismissed Vladar as soon as Swayman came up. He hadn't even started his first game and suddenly, and before, before it was all about, oh, Swayman's going to be the number one. He's the future. He's this, he's that. Vladar comes out first game, 950 something, 970 something, say percentage. Second game, a little bit less. And he goes down to like a 950 something. After his fourth game, he's only down to a 9.22, which, uh, go ahead, tell me other teams that have, like, 9.22 save percentage out of there uh, at the time no, for starting goaltender. Yeah. All of a sudden, Swayman shows up, and suddenly, Bladar is in with the chum being thrown overboard for the Sharks. Hockey East. It's the Hockey East effect. I'm he's, sorry. but he's a, Nope, he's a familiar name. It's going to happen. Uh, I mean, I like Swayman. He's looked good. We've seen him in development camp. We know the talent level. Look, I I didn't say it was right. I just said that's what's happening. Because I've also seen the talent level of, and I've seen the growth. Our first year, the first year Vladar showed up at at development camp, we were both scared as hell because this guy had the deer in the headlights look. Didn't look right. Gangly, too tall. Didn't have didn't have good positioning. He looked 
very rough around the edges. He came back that second development camp, and it was night and day. He I was mean, part confident. of it is. I mean, yes, part of it's being back there and having been there once before and having a little time wherever he went when he left development camp. But when he came back, there was growth, there was maturity, there was increase in skills, or it was finally showcasing the skills that he had that he didn't showcase the first year. But it was like, wow, okay, this kid has the chops. Clearly. Uh, part of it is that he's been seen in Providence a few uh, – uh, Blood Hour has been seen in Providence for a while. He's not as shiny and new. It, and also was like the best goaltender in the AHL last year with yes. a 179 goals against. The expectations like are higher. Are, are higher. I mean, Vladar, I mean, Swayman has less than 10 starts. Uh, he's got nine whole games played in Providence, and he's won eight out of nine of them. Okay. I'm not, dis- it's just, I'm not dismissing it's or just discounting. the discounting. It it's just the way it works. It's wrong. Um, so the question of whose net is it anyways? Uh, it's not. Be- well, I, I agree with Murphy here because we've been saying it all along. It's not Tuka's. No, um, but I, I genuinely don't know whose it is. Um, you had a couple of stories here. Um, you wanted to talk about the draft. Exp- oh, wait a minute. That's last week. Yeah. We don't need to talk about draft lottery changes, although there have been some draft lottery changes. And I did move it on to the board for this week. But with Zach, Pari- with 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 Zach Wierenski going down. Go ahead and talk about that one. Which one? The no 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 the draft um, lottery changes. Uh, well, they reduced the draft lottery changes announced for 2021, and this came out back on March 23rd. It's uh, there's been some interesting additions. So it's a uh, they moved the drawings, they reduced them to two, they've added some limits. Um, so to start off with, real quick. The changes were approved by the board. It's I don't know where to go with this because the teams will be restricted from moving up more than 10 spots if it wins one of the lottery draws. So you win the draw, you get the 12th, you win a draw, you're in the 12th spot. You can only move up to second. Okay, I get that. Teams cannot win the lottery more than twice in a five-year period. Wins in the lottery prior to next year will not be counted. Why? I don't understand that one. But I get not letting them win more than twice in a five-year period. We don't want to see a situation where there's everybody, dare I say tanking, even though it's a lottery and that's supposed to avoid the tanking. But if you have this opportunity to draft number one overall three years in a row, like Edmonton, or three out of four years like Edmonton. I don't know if that's the best way to handle it, but it makes sense to me that you don't allow anybody to be drafting that high. Is it going to affect a team like Detroit, where they're clearly not that good, and I don't think they're tanking. They've got talent, but I just don't think they have the talent 
that everybody else does. So is that is that rule of not more than twice in a five-year period going to hurt Detroit? It could potentially because as it is, they thought they were going to be drafting number one overall and grabbing Lafreniere last year and ended up dropping all the way to fourth. They got Lucas Raymond, a very good young prospect, sitting, and I'm not sure if he's in Grand Rapids or if he's back in his own country playing, but when you're geared up and you've got a record that says, okay, we need help, help's going to come in the form of the draft, we're going to get to draft number one, and to have that taken away, I understand that's what the lottery is all about, but at the same point in time, are you hurting the the, the process, the, the rebuild process? Yes. I don't know. I would like to think it keeps teams or it makes teams take deeper looks at more prospects instead of, you know, having their what was it? Uh the Islanders had their Tavares party, you know, 3 months before uh he was drafted. Tampa had to everyone knew Tampa was taking Hedman and Stamkos um, months before. And they had Hedman and Stamkos for a while. And what did they get out of it in the first like six years of those young guys careers when Stamkos was phenomenally phenomenal offensively and Hedman was an unrecognized top defenseman. Even if you're going to grab a number one defenseman, you still have to build around him. A team is not built on one D man and or one forward. one forward or both. You need to build the team around. Him, and that's what Eisenman did down there in Tampa Bay. Yes. But uh, that's the thing. I think that if you create uncertainty in those in that top five draft positions, that it it's going to force teams or at least responsible teams to take a deeper look at the rest of the draft. You know, if you're only going to see the top three prospects and you maybe catch the additional glimpse of <laughs> three or four of their line mates or uh, to a, a couple of guys on other lines at that, at that team, your chances of making better select of making good or above average selections in the later rounds aren't as good as if you're going to see the top 10 prospects and you see their line mates, their opposition and the other guys on their, on their, uh, on their team. Okay. I mean, and Lucas Raymond is, uh, as you, uh, as you mentioned, playing for, for Orlando this season, he is back home. Okay. Um, 18 points in 34 games, um, which is up from 10 points in 33 games last year. Um, that gives him uh top scorer on the team was Max Freeberg, a 27 year old Swede, um, who had uh, 29 points in 52 games. Um, is that season over or not yet? But I, uh, I, I mean, I think the draft changes overall are not something I would get hugely worked up about long term because they change all the time. 
Right. I, and, and, and that's, that was going to be my, my last comment was to kind of temper and, and I even need to temper my own expectations a little because you're reducing the number of draws from three to two, which means that the worst team in the league can't pick any worse than third. Yes. Um, I mean, which moves it up from fourth. And as I said, it's happened three times. I didn't say it happened three times. It happened to the Red Wings, but it also happened to the Senators the year before. And it happened to the Avalanche a couple of years ago. Uh, 2017. (sighs) Yeah, it's not something to get worked up about. But at the same point in time, I want to see the. I want to see the on ice. I want, I want to see the improvement. I want to see all teams, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. I want to see that even the worst teams are getting better and not constantly down low. And does this do enough for that? I mean, yes, the GMs have a job for a reason. They need to work on their teams and build them up. And obviously Eisenman did that with Tampa Bay. Can he do that again with Detroit? I think he can, but... I don't know we're ever going to find a good answer or a solid answer to handling. You're never going to satisfy all 32 teams. It's just not going to happen. Okay. Um, You also have – there's a whole bunch about potential trades. Um, The score put out their big board of of potential trade pieces. Mm Mm-hmm. one of the things I found fascinating about this list, aside from the guy who has been perpetually talked about as a trade piece for like six years uh, at number one, Taylor Hall, I did. there's nobody in the top ten who's actually playing in the East. Okay. Is, are they going to end up moving? Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry, he Scott Lawton is, but. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that Taylor Hall ends up getting moved. He's. A, I he's don't a, know. He's a lot of money. Buffalo's going to have to swallow at least half of that. He's to move him no to a move, contender, yes, because he's got a no movement clause. So basically, his no movement clause is a fiction, because there okay. is no way he wants to stay in Buffalo. Literally none. I don't understand. I mean, did he sign there strictly because they offered him the most money? Uh, possibly the most money and the chance to play with, theoretically, a top center for the first time in a very long time. Who is potentially done for the rest of the year. They yes. aren't saying that. But they aren't, they aren't saying it, but, that, but they aren't saying it, but it's it's effectively true. And even if he does come back, it's not changing their draft position. It's not – they're not making the playoffs. Um, I mean, looking at the various contenders, is Carolina the only theoretical contender with enough cap space to take his whole contract um, without them retaining salary? assuming Carolina were actually going to do so going to trade for him. Okay. Who are they? Who? Yeah. But how are they at, at this point? You don't really need to give that up much to get Taylor Hall. If you believe you want. Him. Well, if that's the case, I could see a certain team a little bit closer to home that could use some goal scoring punch. 
but that that assumes that you know that general manager is going to pony up anything for a trade and <laughs> since i firmly believe at this point that the general manager and the president of hockey operations uh need to find new occupations um, <laughs> yeah i yes i i am in firm agreement the general manager of uh, a certain team that wears black and gold um, probably needs to be made unemployed. Uh, he needs to be promoted to customer, I believe is the polite phrase that we used to use at one of my old companies. We use that in retail a lot, too. <laughs> we can promote him to customer, yes. Uh, and unfortunately, yeah, I, I have to agree. I think that Cam is... Got to share in the blame for some of this. Most of this. I don't know that Cam Neely was wonderfully aggressive on ice and mostly fairly smart about it. I don't I think that he's gone overboard in compensating for that by taking by having care overly careful general managers under him. Okay. I think that now, do I think that a pairing that looked a lot like it would with him and Brian Burke as the driving personalities would work? No. But I think you need someone who's... I think you need someone as general manager who's got a little more bleep you, let's go for it, um, in their personality. And that's just not Don Sweeney. When you're an original six team with the financial acuum to do to spend to the cap every single year. You should be better at getting high end talent. Yes. You should be exceptional at getting the middle six guys that you want. This administration is neither. And looking at this list, it's interesting because number one, Taylor Hall, yes, he could add some scoring punch if if the scoring touch is still there. And number I I think that it most likely probably still is, but that team is god awful. I genuinely think that the ECHL teams that we saw in Worcester <laughs> uh, just before lockdown started yeah, were the gladiators capable. And- we're capable of beating the uh, the Sabres roster in a seven-game series. And no, I'm not saying that to be controversial. I genuinely believe that. And I, I would definitely take uh, the UMass of, of that of two years ago against this current Sabres roster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my interesting thing is the number two player on this list could also help the local club. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I just don't think that with their recent resurgence, I don't think that Nashville is going to be dealing him at any point. They've won nine of their last 11, counting last night's game, which they lost. And now they got Ryan Ellis back. I, I don't see it happening. They... I think they should be sellers. I don't think they will be. Jonathan Bernier. 
I, I mean, I guess if you need a depth goaltender, yay. There's going to be – well, yeah, you're going to have Reimer available though because Caroline is still trying to figure out what to do with Nedeljkovic and – um, my, um, Mikhail Grenland of the, Pre- also of the predators is on the list. Um, you mentioned a rumor of Nick Foligno, uh, leaving I read, Columbus. I read somewhere Nick Foligno and there's talks or there's rumor that, uh, the Minnesota wild have interest in him. However, Yamo Kikalainen in Columbus is looking for a first round pick. And I think Bill Guerin is, not easily fooled. Um, the the phrase being a fool and his draft picks are soon parted. Yes, uh, exactly as it's written uh, throughout history. Exactly. So I, I don't think that Bill Guerin is that fool, and I don't think that he'll pay that price because Kikalainen wants that first-round pick for him. I, I, I don't blame yeah. Kikalainen. Um, no, but no, 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 no. I'm not saying – no, no. He, he's got to ask. He's, he's, he's certainly got to ask. I just don't see it happening. Um, I, Alex Ayapalo is someone that the Kings have opened up negotiations with, uh, as they have a couple of their other youngsters. Um, he's currently hitting, he's currently got a 2.42 cap hit, um, signed through the end of the season. Um, but they've also started taking calls on him. 27 year old forward. I think he stays. I don't think he's going anywhere. Ricard Raquel is one of the most annoyingly tantalizing players I've seen in the last decade in the NHL. I think the only player streakier than Ricard Raquel is Patrick Lining. Because he <laughs> looks amazing sometimes. Yes. Amazing. Like, literally Hall of Fame material superstar top 10 in the league without having to think about it. And then he ceases to exist in any meaningful way. There are times where I can't find him in a game. I'm not sure his coach can find him in a game. (laughs) Um, so, and then Josh Manson, big physical defenseman, right prize, 29 years old. He signed through the end of next season, which gives him more term, than a lot of the than a lot of the uh, people on this list, four point one million dollar cap hit. Does that Ryan Dezingle? Ryan Dezingle is pretty fascinating to me. Ryan Dezingle lives out of a suitcase, though. And that's part of why I like, or that's part of why he's fascinating to me. I won't claim that I'm in love with the player, but I certainly don't hate the player because he is one of those guys who is absolutely noticeable every flipping time he's on the ice. Um, six feet, 190, 29 years. He's actually that old, 29 years old. Uh, yeah, just had a birthday. A um, couple of years ago, 17, 18, and 18, 19 seasons, 20-plus goal seasons, well over half point per game. Um, <clears throat> this year, he's been a little bit squishier. Um, he's got 27 games between the Canes and Senators and only 12 points. Um, last year, 29 points in 64 games. So uh, he's he's actually maintained about that 50, uh, slightly over half point per game. Um, he went to <clears throat> the Ohio State. Uh, 
Yeah. I I mean, if you're looking for a third line forward, go for it. If you get more out of him, awesome. And number 10 on the list is Scott Lawton from Philly. And again, I I don't think Philly's making deals. They're four points out of a playoff spot. Yeah, even though I think Boston everyone has, has them. I think everyone ahead of them has games in hand. Uh, actually, no. The only team ahead of them that has games in hand is Boston. But, Washington, I mean, the Islanders, and Pittsburgh have all played 41. Philly has played 40. Boston has played 38. Um, I I still don't see anything happening. The list goes through 25. Just give me the two names you think are most interesting uh, out of 11 through 25. Interesting. Uh, okay. Name number one is... Actually, I'm going to save him for a second. Name number one is Alex Goligoski. I understand why the Coyotes would want to move him. Half of the Coyotes roster is on this list, though. But go ahead. Uh, I think that with the exception of OEL, I, I, I... I like Goligoski. I've always liked him when he was with Dallas. Uh, just seemed more solid defenseman. Although you can't argue against Shalmerson and his playoff pedigree. Again, a couple of cups with, with Chicago is certainly nothing to sneeze at. But I think Goligoski for me is just a little bit more enticing. And the other name, and I really think that this kid needs a change of scenery because I, I believe there's still a goal scorer in there is Jake Bertanen of the Canucks. Uh, still I, I young. Still young. I think there's still some desire in there to succeed. And I think he gets a little lost with all the other youth that's on that team with Pedersen and Besser and Horvat and, 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 and Quinn and everyone, yes. everyone. I think there's, I think he gets a little bit lost in the shuffle. And I think that a nice little change of scenery might do him some good. And he's not all that expensive. He's got some term signed through next year. Yeah, next year at two, uh, at just over two and a half, plays both wings. Um, although most uh, sites have him listed as a right wing. What position does the Bruins need again? Uh, the same position they've needed every night, uh, uh, Pinky. Uh, thank you. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but who's going to wear the clown pants? <laughs> I, 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 I'm not saying he's the answer here in Boston, but I, I just I like Jake Bertin. I like his game. I think that he's I think there's still something there. And I think a change of scenery. And, and the problem with him for Boston is he's too big for them to actually bring in. Oh, OK. At six, one and two twenty six, um, they would never add him to their top six. Really? Wow. Is it that extra inch that throws it off or is it the, the uh, he's like 15 pounds too big? Like, oh, they just can't, they just won't do it. <laughs> the combination of that of that being above six feet and over 210, it's just not allowed. Got it. Um, so who, are your two, who are your two out of the rest of this list? 
Oh, I was going to pick Jake Bertanen as uh, as interesting, and I think he is. Um, I think I'm somewhat surprised that David Riddich is getting so much attention in a year when there's so many UFA, uh, so many UFA goaltenders who are going to be available. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to know what's going on there. I really do. Um, yes, I doubt he's all that particularly happy in Calgary for a number of reasons. Oh, could it be the six million that they gave um, Jacob Markstrom to come and be the number one? No, that that can't possibly have anything to do with it. Oh, okay. I, I'm way off base there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and you should feel shame. Great shame. I do. I do. I do. I'm hanging my head. Uh but I think for me, uh, I think for me. We're probably going to have to go with um, Wow. Okay. Probably Dmitry Kulikov. Interesting. Why did you say that? The cheap money? Defensemen at this time of year always always at a premium. I and agree. No, I, I absolutely agree, and that's why and you're right. He plays about players. 20 minutes a night, which means you can slide him into your second pairing on most teams uh, and not have him be winded by the start of the third period, um, which tends to be an issue with guys who get uh, elevated late in the season. You know, they're used to playing 12, 14 minutes a night, and suddenly you need them for 23 or 22, and they just don't. They haven't developed the endurance to get it done. Um, I like Kulikov. Um, I said for a number of years that, you know, Boston should attempt to steal him out of uh, out of Florida. And, well, he's been out of Florida for five years at this point, uh, having gone through Buffalo, the Jets and the and uh, landing at the Devils at this point. Um, He's a good size. Not a big points producer. He's not a big points producer, but Stay at home. He's, he's he still makes uh, better passes than he's given credit for. Um, OK. And at the next to nothing that he's being paid, it's worth throwing. It's worth picking him up if you can afford it. Um, like I said, the, the money, the money aspect appeals to me. I mean, he's not going to completely throw your, your money plan out of whack. He's not going to break your cap. He's just not going to break your cap. Um, okay. Just a really quick hit on this one. Okay. Uh, I heard it about two weeks ago. We haven't discussed it since apparently the price to get Jack Eichel out of Buffalo is for first round picks or players who are drafted in the first round and are living up to uh, that, uh, that drafting. Can you see Buffalo getting that trade right now? Wait, wait, wait. Okay. No, that's head or over the summer. I'm looking for the list of magicians that are going to be able to make this trade appear. 
Oh, wait, no, he's not on that list. Well, I mean, I know they have Kevin Adams up there, but I'm pretty sure he's not in line to take David Copperfield's job. Um, Four first quality picks. Yes. Yeah, no, not happening. Sorry. Are you sure? I, I I think Eichel is a talent, but... What if he's looking for first round? If he's looking for first overalls or first rounds? No, the, it, the answer is no. It's not happening at this point. I said that. Eichel has to come back next year and score forty goals, eighty assists, and then we'll talk about four first quality uh, <laughs> picks. Thank you. And he has to play at least seventy of the eighty-two games. What is his what is his magic number for games played in a season? <laughs> Two thirds, fifty uh, percent. I, I don't know. Has he managed those numbers in the past? <laughs> Not consistently. Ah, the key word there, consistency. Hmm. Um, yeah, one- not happening. Sorry. <laughs> one other uh, player who you really like, and I have. Uh, no, uh, no disaffection for Andreas Athanasiu. I like Andreas. He's quick. He's got great hands. Uh, he's settling. He settled in reasonably, reasonably well in L.A. He seems to be doing all right in L.A. I think he's found himself a home, at least for the near future. Twenty-six years old. Um, is he? Uh, they're supposedly they've opened they've opened up um, contract negotiations with him. Would the Kings be better served moving him? Um, Again, because really? they can't rebuild if they keep signing guys who aren't going to be there when they finally get the young guys into uh, into being the load bearing components of the team. 26-year-old, why can't he be part of the rebuild? Because assuming they return to playoff relevancy three years from now, he'll be 29 years old. And in his prime? Eh, For forwards, prime is – that's probably the end of the prime. Okay. Um, He's not as old as Kopitar are now or Carter are now or uh, no. And they should be moving on from Justin those guys Brown as quickly as they now. can. Although I don't know. Again, still, I don't know how you cl- get rid of them. Still uh, having a clue how Dustin Brown is doing what he's doing, but uh, same way that David Krejci and Mark Stahl are. I assume that they found the fountain of youth or have been getting secret stem, uh, stem cell treatments or something's going. <laughs> alien <laughs> intervention. How it hasn't been investigated further is beyond me because that man was not a top tier goal scorer until three years ago. And then it was, okay, who are you? And where's the real Dustin Brown? And wait, you're still hitting like Dustin Brown did, but now you're producing. (laughs) And at 36 years old. Yeah. Yeah. No, Uh, I do not understand. You can't make me understand. (laughs) I just don't get it. And one of those things, don't look behind the green curtain. Uh, very much don't look behind the green curtain. In fact, don't is even that, enter the building the green curtain is in. These aren't the droids you're looking for. And these 
I mean, take this season. <clears throat> Athanasia was at 17 points in 32 in 32 games. Respectable. Yeah. Okay. Have you looked at the stats for the LA Kings recently? No, but I'm about to. Nope. Don't look. Don't look. Okay. Not looking. Go ahead. Has anybody in league history ever had a quieter, more than a point per game season than Anze Kopitar? He's at 42 points in 40 games. He's 33 years old. He's been kind of ridiculous this season, but... 42 points in 40 games, and you never hear his name. I have to admit, I've seen more L.A. Kings than probably a lot of people here in the state of Massachusetts because they either have them on the NHL network as bonus coverage or they get the late game here. I've seen quite a bit of L.A. Kings, and Kopitar, he's still moving. He's still one of the best in the faceoff dot. And he's still got term left on that contract. Well, yeah, uh, he's, they signed him to one of those crazy-ass deals. Yeah, he, his, was, his was another one of those contracts that ended like the 10-year contracts because um, he signed through the end of 23-24, Mm-hmm. And I know this contract is like six years old at this point. Yeah, he signed in the 20, he signed this contract January 16th of 2016, mm-hmm. and it will end at the end of the 24 se- 23-24 season. Admittedly, the cap hit goes, or the base salary goes down um, over time. It was really large in the first two years. Um, and in the last, uh, in 22, 23 and 23, 24, it's only 7 million, which isn't that bad for a number one center. Who's won a couple of, uh, who's won a couple, uh, cups. Yeah. 12 and 14. Didn't he win a, um, Selkie as well? He's got a Selkie in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but I can't remember the last time there was a player who was a point per game who I hadn't heard about mentioned even once all year. He really has not been getting touted at all. And part of that is because the team as a whole is awful. Um, In fact, most of the attention on that team goes to the backup goaltender, Cal Peterson and, and Mario and, and Adrian Kempe. Yes, somehow, but the team doesn't even have a, the team doesn't even have a 20 goal scorer yet this year. Admittedly, 40 games is really fast for 20 goals for almost everyone, but. Yes, Anze Kopitar's resume reads pretty good. He's a two time Stanley Cup winner. He won the his Lady Bing in 2015 and 16, and he has also won the Selkie not once, but twice. Yeah. He's. There's probably three players on that team who are definitely going to have their names in the rafters when they retire, it might even be four. Well, no, actually I would say it might be five guys who are there currently. Quick. Yeah. Kopitar. Yes. Dowdy. Yes. And probably Brown and Carter too. Dustin Brown. The ever, ever, ever resilient, the ever, I don't even know what the word is for it. I don't understand, like, I legitimately wonder if there's been experimental medicine done on Brown, Mark Stahl, Eric Stahl, for that matter, and David Krejci. 
The Stahl brothers? Yeah, I could see that. Because okay. they had two, three-year dips where they were not good. And David Krejci is probably skating as well today as he did when he came into the league. Certainly better than he did for a good five or six-year stretch, including the year the Bruins won the Cup. I mean, you look at Dustin Brown, and he had 60, 60 points back in 07, 08, 53-56. He hits 2012-13, plays in 46 games, 20, uh, 29 points. The year after that, 27, 27, 28, 36. And it's not for lack of missing. It's not for missing games because he played 79, 82, 82, 80. Then all of a sudden in 2017, 18, somebody wearing Dustin Brown's uniform comes out and gets 61 points in 81 games. At 30 years old. Yep. Go ahead. (laughs) And then the follows that up with 51 points in 72 games. Follows that up with 35 points in 66 games in a pause-shortened season. And this year, he's got 25 points in 38 games. And and (laughs) note that he entered this season at almost 1,200 games played. So it's not like he's low on mileage and usage. And this is also a guy who... There's there's a little tread gone off those tires. I mean, this is a guy who ends, who ends the season with more hits than the Laker uh, than the uh, than the Athletics, and not only that, but just to add to the mystery before we get off the air here, in those seasons where he was doing twenty seven, twenty eight, thirty six, he was averaging around sixteen minutes a night, fifteen, fifty, sixteen and a half, sixteen, ten, sixteen. The year that he jumps to sixty one points. His time on ice also jumped to almost 20 minutes a night, 1950. Year after that, it jumps to 20 minutes, 24 seconds, dips a little last season, and it's dipped a little bit again this season based, you know, and you would think that based on his age, there it is. But the numbers went up, the minutes played per night went up, and this is a guy who was 30. (laughs) Yeah. And go back to 13, 14 season, he also picked up one of those Mark Messier uh, NHL award uh, leadership awards. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who has done everything his entire career to make this team win. And he's got this year and next year on his contract. He's going to hit if he assuming he plays most games. He's going to hit 1300 games played. That's a whole lot of games. That's a whole lot of hockey, yeah. That's a whole lot of extremely physical hockey because Dustin Brown hits. He doesn't – he checks people, but when he hits people, they know they've been hit. Um, And he still hits. He's still physical too. He hasn't stopped. The the physicality didn't stop. (laughs) Nope, 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 nope. So just for giggles – as we were getting ready to start the show, I put together a pair of trades, one of them quasi serious and the other one for my amusement. Um, and we'll put the trades up I in say, a, that the uh, one I haven't seen. It might be the one you haven't seen. Okay. Um, both of these, at least according to the, uh, the wonderful trade machine over at Cap Friendly make 
the uh, hit the central registry's trade checklist and would be allowable as trades. So trade number one is the Bruins Flames Mega Trade. Uh, that's what it's called on Cap Friendly if you want to wander in. Noah Hannafin, Sean Monahan, third round Calgary pick in 2021 to Boston. In exchange for Carson Kuhlman, Kyle Kaiser, Jeremy Lozon, Jake DeBrusque, and Jakob Zaborl. Why are the Flames doing this deal? Uh, yes. Out of the goodness um, of their heart. Uh, they want a winger, and they they need a go- young goaltender for their system. Oh, especially if they trade David Riddick. Yeah, sure. Well, David is not young, <laughs> and he's also <laughs> not happy. <coughs> Kyle Kaiser has to be. Why you're sending off Carson Kuhlman? I like Carson Kuhlman, but okay. Everybody likes Carson Kuhlman. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason, but had to get under the cap. Uh, I was say, because I'm into that alliteration thing. I like Carson Kuhlman, Connor Clifton, you know. Yes. KK and CC. <laughs> um, who appear to be the same person, because I never see them on the ice at the same time. But details, details. There you go. But no, he was added to the deal because uh, otherwise the Bruins were not cap compliant. Oh, okay. Um, theoretically, you could have sent him back to the minors or something like that, but uh, so it gives the it gives uh, Calgary young goaltender, two young defensemen uh, in exchange for a more known quantity, uh, Jake DeBrusque, who many would argue needs a fresh start, mm-hmm. and Carson Coleman, who works his uh, rear end off at uh, every opportunity on the ice. He does. And then there's the other trade, which I know you're going to love. I have not. It is also never going to happen. Oh, okay. Well, I'm pretty sure this Calgary Flames one isn't going to happen because them giving us picks is just not going to happen. Along with Uh, there's there's the amount of term involved and cap certainty between uh, the DeBrusque uh, and what is it? DeBrusque and uh, Lausanne. The other oh. trade is literally I made just to see what you would say. Okay, so let's take a look at that other trade. Um, Craig Smith. Yeah, I'm not saddened by the. Okay, so when am I driving these four guys to the to the airport? <laughs> Which four guys? Uh, the guys that are leaving town quickly. Go ahead. Craig Smith. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for your four goals and uh, almost a million dollars a goal. Uh, Jakey. Love you, Jakey. You got to go. Jeremy Lozon. There's something to be had there. Jack Akon. Unless he promises to go on tour again. Yes, oh, that, that's Shaka, definitely. Shaka Khan. No, Jack Akon. Jack I, I don't know if I'm saying it right. I apologize. We're not giving you much of a chance. But the fact that I'm getting, you know, Evander Kane in return means y'all have to go. See, I I think this trade is even less likely than the first one. 
Because yes, A, agreed. I, Evander Kane, and B, Ryan Merkley. Um, Ryan Merkley, yes. Right defenseman, uh, no, right shot defenseman. Mm-hmm. He's actually currently playing in the minors for them. He's waivers uh, exempt. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think and, it would give the Bruins system a refresh and reinvigoration that that would help the team going forward. No, no, no. It would give them a Vander Kane. Merkley is gonna he's gonna be in Providence. Uh, would, only would, until they call him up. Well, because but, Ryan Merkley is almost certainly better than any other prospect that they have. But it gives us a Vander Kane. And well, Evander Kane has been not terrible with his time in 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 San Jose uh, at all. So imagine the third line is now, mm-hmm. or not the third line, the second line is now. Uh, yes. Wow. Uh, Krejci, Kane, and who are we throwing on that? on the other way. Uh, well, we traded away to Brusque, so although they played the same side, who, who could we put on the right side? Mm. No, no, no. Uh, well, I would, this is the assumption that Evander Kane is going to be on the right side. Really? He's a yes. left winger, is he not? He plays both wings. Okay. But the Bruins greatest need is for right wing. I mean, theoretically, yes, you could put him true. on you could put him on the right with Bergeron and Marchand and then. Well, since you're trading Craig Smith, you are going to need it. And then you can leave um, pasta on the second line where he's been the last couple of games and has looked better than he has in a while. And do you make that second? Do you put coil on that second line uh, at right wing with uh, Pasternak at left and give, no, Pasternak's listed as right. Uh, so who do you need on the left there? Um, you could go with Bjork. You could go with Coleman. Uh, it's not going to be bleed. Um, By the way, Evander Kane is only leading his team in points. Yes. Um. Actually, if for giggles, you could put uh, for a while at least. Uh, you could put Trent Frederick on the other side and have some complimentary physicality. There's been a lot of negativity toward him on Twitter. That I don't he needs care. To go they're wrong. Back to Providence that he's he needs to be permanently stapled to the bench. They're wrong. They're wrong. Yes. So, yeah, I'm still unsure why Buffalo back in 1718. Traded a 20-goal scorer to San Jose after 61 games, 40 points. Um, okay, that was smart. Yeah. Goulaville is, yeah. I'm not really understanding that. Neither it, does anyone else. Okay, just checking. <laughs> it's it not just, you. It's not you. I thought it was just me, but... Um, so Frederick on that line, yeah, that could be. Then it becomes a question of. And this is a and actually, if Andre Kasha comes back and gets his ten minutes of ice time a year, um, you ha- you can slide him into that into your top six or middle six, uh, whichever uh, amuses thee. Let's go with 
middle six. But Evander Kane, yes. Okay, so I'm renting a van, and I will pick them up at the stadium or at the arena. Mm -hmm. And then I will sit in the traffic and get them as quickly as I can over to um, Logan Airport. And I will have parting, lovely parting gifts for them. Now, what's namely a bar what makes of chocolate? But the name Andre Kasha even more uh, interesting is that there's a story from San Mitten uh, of Chowder and Championships uh, fame saying that Andre Kash may have played his final game as a Boston Bruin. Really? Where are we dealing him to? Um, or are we just, you know, going to let his contract run out? And I don't know what his contract status is. That, that uh, it runs out. It, it runs out at the end of this year, I believe. Uh, which so they're just going to let it go. And what are you going to get for him? Exactly. If and if as someone much as will, I like if him, someone will offer you a fifth round pick, you make that trade happen before anything else. So now I got to drive to the airport twice. Yes. Damn. <laughs> I mean, there's also the third time when I got to go pick Evander up at the airport. So. And Kyle. And 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 Kyle. Uh, I'm sorry, Merkley. Ryan, Ryan Merkley. Yes. Do I see either of these trades actually happening? No, because no. the general manager in at least one city would never come up with it or agree to it. Would that, it make that, the Boston Bruins general, better team? But that general manager is the same in both instances. Uh, yes. Okay, just checking. But theoretically, I think that the, this t- this trade short-term actually helps San Jose because it would spread out some of their scoring a little bit um, by getting Smith and uh, DeBrusque into the lineup in a fresh location. Merkley is not in their this season plans. Um, and Boston, Boston gets Evander Kane and theoretically Kyle Merkley, uh, into the lineup, maybe for the end of the year. Um, is it going to happen? No. If it does happen, you heard it here first. Um, well, there you go and take all full credit for it. Uh, yes. Andre Kasha plays, has played a whopping two games this season. Yes, I'm amazed that it was actually that many, because um, I simply don't recall seeing him on the ice. Is he actually? The thing is, and I'm I'm not sure I'm I'm surprised by this or not. He's actually an RFA. Yes. Okay. With, so you probably with, could get a fourth round pick for dealing with him. arbitration rights. Uh, you, so you can probably get a fourth round pick for dealing him at the at the deadline. He's an RFA. Right. He's an RFA. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay then. But right now, who is more valuable to your team, him or Curtis Hall? Ah. Curtis Hall. Yeah. I would say Curtis Hall because he's probably healthy right now. He's healthy and he signed for three years. Ah yes. That um, he is. Out of Princeton. No, he was born in Princeton. 
he Did he Yale. also go to? Didn't he also go to? No, he was a Yale. That's right. He was a Yale boy. Talking about him, the Yale boy that was born in Princeton, and how Princeton must certainly be happy with him. Hey, twenty-seven points in twenty-eight games at Yale this year. Uh, not terrible. Or I'm sorry, last year. Last year, he's he's played a whopping six games in Providence and has yet to score. Yeah, Yale didn't play hockey this year, I believe. I think the Ivy League canceled, just flat out canceled. Um, I think we've run through pretty much everything on the board. Anything else you wanted to cover? Um, the distance between here and the airport when I'm picking up a Vander Kane. You know, it might actually be faster to have him. Yeah. If he distance flew in from the, you, it's what he, seventy miles. If he flew in the TF Green, it might be and. He could fly into Worcester Airport. That would certainly be closer. Yeah, <laughs> flying into Worcester, that's great. And he won't be mobbed by the press immediately. Exactly. <laughs> and on that note, boys and girls. <laughs> thank you for listening. Share the show. Have a wonderful week. Uh, we'll be back if there are some really uh, amazingly big trades uh, or at least amazingly interesting trades. We will do the supplemental, but as of right now, it doesn't look like it's going to be necessary because not much has happened. Take care.